welcome to your daily game face. I am Dr. Kim Lannon here with Late Lou Blasey. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Are you really fine? <laughs> yes. What was the problem this morning, sir? Well, the microphone fell out of its shock mount right before we went on the air. And that includes putting rubber bands in because it's high technology. Rubber bands. I'm going to show you after the show what's involved. I'm going to make you do it, actually. Well, I watched you through the window. Yeah. Fiddling around over there. Yeah. Fumbling and fiddling. They're, the microphone is balanced on literally, basically, rubber bands. That's awesome. Yeah. High, well, and you would think, given this high-quality studio, it wouldn't be balanced on rubber bands. Well, I mean, shock mode. It's, it's job, but I it just makes life difficult. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Well, anyway, so I'm sorry that you're... Mike fell off. <laughs> um, well, it was good, though, because it saved me from saying anything about my being late. Because why would I be late today? What's going on outside this building? Uh, the building is basically closed off for road construction. <laughs> I couldn't get in the building because there were cones and 14. By the way, there's literally 14 police officers out there. Really? It, there are a ton. Yeah. There. Well, I counted 11, so I'm going with 14 because it sounded better, because why not exaggerate? But I counted 11 for that little stretch, and there's cones in front of the building, and I couldn't yep. get in. And I stopped with this very nice gentleman that makes $450,000 a year. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't get going with the Methuen police. And That's a touchy subject. I didn't subject say right the here. name of the police department. Yeah. Well, you I mean, just did. No, I mean, it's a, it's a touchy subject. Right I understand. Here. Well, not for me, it's not. Yeah. Um. Listen, my show, I can talk about whatever I yeah. want. And it's not so bad. Don't that they, censor me. It's not so bad that they had it coned off because they just moved the cones. But when I got here, I don't know about when you got here, they had a excavator. They had and an excavator in the middle of the road, in, in the, the middle, middle of the, of the driveway. driveway. Yeah. Yes. That's that was I had to go up and around. Yeah. I had to turn around, had to come back. They had to move all the cones and then they had to move the excavator. See, I'm thinking I made this the is not day. conducive to work. What? I made the guy's day because rather than make him move the excavator, I drove on the lawn. So oh. I basically drove. Well, I didn't want to hit the excavator, and he was really taking up a lot of space. Yeah. And I didn't want my car <laughs> to be squished by that. But this is day to day. We face things we don't expect day to day. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, what? I thought actually something happened, like the burning, the, the burning, the building burned down. <laughs> <laughs> like something happened to the building because I couldn't see it over the ridge. Anyway, no one knows what we're talking about other than the fact no. that I couldn't get in the building. And and by the way, they make a lot of money. And there's a lot of them out there on their on their details, and they're four hundred dollars an hour. I understand. So you, that's a lot of money. So I want to get you're not that. Familiar with the Math, uh, Methuen Police Department story? I don't know why you keep outing where we are. Because we're in Methuen. Everyone knows. Cost Eagle Media in Methuen. I did not out, but I wasn't outing the police department. I could go you department to buy, make... I, I could go each department around this whole surrounding area and tell you all the problems that are going on it. <laughs> You're going to censor me? No. Oh, good. Imagine that. My show. No, I'm just disclosing the whole thing. It's all on you. Oh, I didn't say anything about whose department it was. I know. You did. Yep. So it's on you. And I didn't say anything negative. I just said $450,000 a year. Yeah. You know? You might be shy. I'm not shy. No, you might be shy of the 450,000. I mean, it might be more than that. Oh, see, see, now see, yeah. you're adding fuel to the fire. I see, know. you, you just little button presser, you. Are you in a mood today? Well, the former police chief is up on, going to be up on charges soon. I know. Yeah. I oh, know. so you do know the story. Okay. I, of course I know All the right. story. Why do you think I didn't, why do you think I brought it up? Oh my God. Okay. I am not fresh off the turnip truck. 
I know, but you don't live in the area. So I live 20 minutes from here. <laughs> you think I live under a rock? Okay, for all my listeners, please help me this morning. Lou. Okay, fine. You, you live know. like an hour from here and you know that. That's true. But I did talk radio here during that whole time. So I know that, but it's not like I don't live right down the road. Anyway, moving along. Yeah. Moving along. Anyway, so the yeah. adversities of the morning, more yours than mine because, you know, you had issues with the mic. <laughs> so bizarre yeah. and then when i came in there were like these two very gigantor men standing in the doorway that was like whoa that was very surprising because there's yeah. never anyone on this floor so yeah you were surprised i was well because they did you see how tall they were no i saw them going by i think but i didn't get a good look they had like like they look like refrigerators with arms <laughs> not they weren't fat they were just like jacked and they were like in these suits and they I was like, oh, this is out of place. This is an odd look for this whole building because that's not what I usually see. They were guests next door on the show. So I'll. Oh, I'll, maybe that's I'll what it was. Talk to them and see who they were. Oh, that's probably who it was. But yeah. their show's still going on because I can hear her yabbering. Yeah, but the, the, <laughs> but the guests, it's not the verb I'd use. <laughs> well, you know how much she they annoy me. Yeah. They're loud. I, well, yes. Anyway, Spanish radio, okay. that's what you get. Uh, well, I don't, it has, for me, it has nothing to do with whether it's Spanish radio or not, just they're loud through the soundproofing. Anyway, yeah. so let's moving along. So first and foremost, I have had no foot issues. Okay, good. I was well, not, ask. not, I have not had no foot issues. So I had a new foot issue. <laughs> good. Excellent. So you know how I got these new shoes, mm -hmm. which are fabulous, by the way. They're Newtons. I highly recommend them for the people out there that have my navicular bone issue and the accessory bone issue because they're made for this. Um, however, when they are very interesting in their sizing, because even though I'm a size eight and a half in every other shoe, I had to drop to an eight in these in the really bright colored ones. But when I dropped to the eight in the other ones, they're really fine until I actually run. So I did like a 10 mile run over the weekend, as you saw on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And my toe is a little bit closer in the toe box to the top than the ones in the bright colored shoes, which yep. you can't visualize because you can't see it right now. But you saw them today. And so I had for the first time in my life ever in all of my 27 years of life, <laughs> I had blisters on the top of my toes a week out from the marathon. I was oh, like, no, no. just I, wear the bright ones. But I, just, that's what I, well, that's yeah. why I have them on today because yeah. I've reverted back to them. I've been switching them in and out, but I think the, cause I did all that hill training this weekend, just as a last ditch to see if my foot could withstand it this weekend, this, this coming week. And, um, the downhill, I was, uh, they're fitting me fine, but they just, my toes too close to the yeah. toe box top. So but I got a little blisters and I was like, oh no, if things couldn't get any worse. <laughs> so I fixed it though, because I'm a blister extraordinaire fixer, even though I have not had them really? on my feet in that way. I have had them on the back of my heels, but not there. So yeah. I'm gonna, no so hopefully they'll be fine by Monday that they won't, you know, rip wide open. Hi, Scott. I was thinking of you this morning. Scott's saying 27 years. Yes, Scott, I never age. I celebrate my 27 years over and over and over again. <laughs> but thank you for outing that. Ugh. John says he's throwing the other one out. Good for him. See, he's practicing. What's he, uh, what's he, he doing? He's throwing the other ones out. Oh, no, the other one? Not, no, because they're still good. It's just not for probably the run. Yeah. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> um, I was thinking of you this morning listening to sports radio because some doctor, and I forget what the treatment was, but the doctor was calling out all marathon runners if you're hurting right now come see me today it's like, oh. it's making a business of it now of course because yeah. there's so many of, well it's interesting you know because i outed myself early on this year with my foot issue right mm -hmm. and um 
and it's all, all of a sudden I've seen, I don't know, you know, if it's like that bias because now I've got something and I can see it, but there's all these people now on Facebook and all their social media things that I'm seeing on the Boston running groups, right. That are speed walking, run walking, like doing like all these people are like actually saying like, I'm not running the whole thing. I'm like, Oh, we're all in good company this yeah. year. Yeah. And, and then I have to laugh because as I was driving here, um, someone called me and was like, Oh my God, do you see the weather? Now I have learned, and Scott, who's on with me, I've learned that checking the weather for the Boston Marathon is like hurting cats. I get it. Like, yeah. don't do it because even if it says today it's going to rain, it's been saying it's not going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. But I have to just say that my luck is always that if it's, if I'm running, it's raining. <laughs> so it's right now looking increasingly rainy on monday and yesterday it was looking half and half and so i and the only reason why i know this because people keep alerting me to it and so <laughs> i keep telling people that are asking me that i have trained this year for the marathon and other races that um stop looking at the weather because it doesn't matter because yep. you're still going to go out and run it or do whatever you're going to do because you are can't, and can't change it right yeah it's it is going to be unseasonably warm though so the layers will be a little bit different than say in 2018 when I was almost blown off the course because <laughs> do you remember that year? <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, that was a year from hell. Mm -hmm. It was quite the year because there was so much rain and snow and sleet and wind. And there was tears that year because mm -hmm. it was so cold. Yep. And that was the year I had an icicle in my shoe at the end. Yep. Fabulous. <laughs> you know, and I couldn't feel my fingers, but you know. Um anyway, wow, there's a lot of comments going on. I missed them all. John, What's going on? John what and we Scott have... are having a conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's right. See, Scott's right. Never throw out running shoes. I did not throw them out, Scott. They are staying with me. I'm just not if necessarily they hurt going to you, you run them, them, huh? If they hurt you, you get rid of them. No, they didn't hurt they didn't hurt me. They only hurt they only hurt after an extended period of time of going downhill in that pair. So, and I'm not sure if it was the shoe versus the sock rubbing. And so I, yeah, so, but I'm not going to use those shoes on Monday. I've decided the current ones, these yep. the ones I just raised up in the air, yep. those are the ones I'm using on Monday because yep. I haven't had any issues in these. We'll be able to spot you too. It'd be fun. Thank you. <laughs> well, people like bright shoes. They yep. are definitely bright. I call them my clown shoes because they are bright. Yeah. So, but they're very comfortable. And we'll see how that run walk goes. I've gotten some really great advice from people that do consistent run walking. That, um, so um, on this course and have PR this course actually and have the same kind of tempo timing that I have. So we'll see. Give me an example of the strategy. Of a Give run you an walk. example yeah. of the run. Well, so what kind of tip did you get? So, well, run walking. So what we, what people do in races typically is they come out too fast anyway. So if you're run walking, the whole key to run walking is consistency. I know that, but it's more, it's, it's hard to really hold back at the beginning of this race particular because it's all downhill at the beginning and it's really fast because, you know, we're in the back. So we start the latest of the whole day. And so everyone has to get there. <laughs> So it's like a mad dash out of the gate, you know, for yep. the corrals and, and you get caught up in the speed of coming out. So the, so the, the several people who have done this successfully said, get out, you know, don't worry about everyone else, you know, that I've talked about like saying, oh, you're walking. It's okay. Like, just get it in your head that. <laughs> stay can you hear that yeah I did. stay consistent 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 like with your time so yep. that your pacing doesn't come off of what you plan and um and then 
the other strategy was, it was pretty funny. He's like, this guy, this one person said, just stick a sign on your back saying, I am purposely run walking. Please don't <laughs> say. No, we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, the, and that's actually a, a, a thing that was told, like, just put a sign on your back that just says, I'm run walking. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get there. This is by design. Yeah. <laughs> it's the plan. Yeah. So, but it's, but it, but it, the whole, the whole um, phenomenon about run walking, Jeff Galloway is a big person who does the run walk. He's, a, if you're a runner, you know who he is, but what it does is it saves your legs. It saves your energy. It saves, you know, so between the running on the, on the same interval as your walking interval is you're giving your body time to just rest. So you're not pounding on it the whole time. Right. So you're splitting out the miles by the minute to minute. So I'm doing one-to-one, one-on-one off, one-on-one off. Um, and people think, oh, doesn't that get tedious? It's actually, no, it, it, it doesn't get tedious. And I actually did Disney that way a few years ago and did exceptionally well with it, but I didn't stay consistent. So I would have done better had I stayed consistent. Um, I got caught up in the morning. You leave at three o'clock in the morning for those races and oh, you get yeah. caught up in like 60, 70,000 people and you're like floored into the middle of all of them and it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think that, We'll see how this goes. The bottom line is I will finish and we'll see how that finish looks like. It's going to be challenging early because you're not looking to walk in the first five miles or so, first five, seven well, miles. Well, I'm going to. I know, but oh. it's, it's got to be tough for you. It's going it's to be, be very, very yeah. hard because the first two miles is downhill. There's like a small little increase in hill in Ashland. Just Yeah, a but, mile and then start walking. That's going to be tough for you. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not doing one mile on, one mile off. I'm oh. doing one minute on, one minute off. Oh wow, even worse. Yeah. No, don't no. say that. No, it just, just challenging. Well, yeah, yes and no. But I mean, I'm, I'm, pra I've been practicing, so it's yeah. not like foreign to me as a concept because of my foot issue. So, and I'm not going to be alone apparently this year because I've seen tons of people out saying that they're injured and they're going to be doing similar. And I'm not really worried about it. You guys need a colored ribbon or something other than a sign just to. Just, just to leave identify me alone. that I'm yeah. okay and I'm leave me alone, ribbon. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I'll get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, so so I'm excited about it because I do feel good about the race itself currently. Mm -hmm. I wish my foot felt better in yeah. general, that I wouldn't be worrying about it, even though I haven't felt pain in it since three weeks ago since I ran on it and made it really swollen. But um, so for all the people out there, you know, don't make any changes now because you're five days out if you're listening and Scott, who's listening, knows that for sure. Um, and and it's going to be a great day. The whole weekend's going to be 80-something degrees. And then Monday's supposed to be in the 60s. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yep. It will be entertaining. Be better than 80, won't it? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Once it gets over 60, though, it starts to... It's hard because when you're going from... If you haven't been to the Boston Marathon route, you're running into the city. So you... I've never run... This is my ninth year, and I've never run with a tailwind now scott is on his 37th year running and scott if you're still listening have you ever had a tailwind in this race because <laughs> if you have i didn't I, you always hope for it but it just doesn't happen especially when you're coming up over heartbreak hill it just doesn't well you're happen. basically going west to east yeah so you're not going to get a tailwind right. all that often yeah. no but you always hope for one yeah <laughs> right so it but it just doesn't happen um anyway so moving along 
-hmm. The other thing was, is I'm, I want to, if all the people that have been donating and whatever, I hit 15,000. Nice. Congratulations. $100. And I just have a couple more donations coming in, I think by Friday. And I'm very excited because I raised $15,100 um, with the help of lots of great donors and sponsors and et cetera. And um, a couple extra special people who kicked me up over that. Um, last week, uh, which Very was nice. exciting. Yeah. And, um, so that was really great. And I had one little minor end of the end of the go fundraiser at, at a hardware store and gave away some stuff and still trying to give away the stuff because I haven't been able to get a hold of some people. <laughs> um, but it was really exciting. And, um, and that's the most I've raised for the New England Patriots thus far each year. So usually I raised 10 or 11,000 and this year was, oh, so this is your high. This year was nice. my high yeah. for that. So I'm going off the high going into Monday because it feels good that I was able to do that. And and then in May, I get to see the the um, um, amazing 25 sets of people that that money gets dispersed to from all people who are running the mayor. Like because all of our stuff this year, there are 18 people on the team. All of our money goes into the 25 charities that get picked from yep. New England. Yep. And we get to be at the luncheon to see them oh, yeah. win their prizes. And yep. so it's exciting because we get to hear the stories of what they do that's great for people. And so you know what's what your money and what all your efforts have gone into. Right. So you get the benefit of running the marathon and the cool stuff about just the marathon, the excitement. But then you I get the the payback of like the people who are receiving the money at the end. And so it's exciting. Nice. So anyway, now moving along. Yes. We are going to be talking about NEAT today. Remember NEAT? Refresh my memory. Oh, you don't pay attention to my own show. I pay attention. No, really? Then I pay attention to the other dozen shows. I do. <laughs> so NEAT. So NEAT is the non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. Remember, remember that? that? Yes. So one of the reasons why I started... Um, thinking about talking about that was because lots of people in my practice um, can't do marathons and don't do a lot of exercise. A lot of people sit on the couch a lot or sit a lot in general because of their job, especially since the pandemic, you know, they're stuck at home and yep. whatever. Um, so I've been trying to help people integrate plans into their daily life that would give them thermogenesis, which is calorie burn that isn't necessarily going for uh, intentional exercise out about the house. And one of the questions is about NEAT is, does it actually, does it actually help you lose weight? Well, anything helps you lose weight as long as you stay in a calorie deficit, which we've talked about yep. before. Right. But so you can lose, so I'm giving the averages here, but you can lose anywhere from hundred to roughly 800 calories a day just by doing normal household chores and standing up. So that's from vacuum cleaning, raking the yard, uh, doing some gar like some weeding, gardening, um, sweeping, uh, you know, cleaning a bathroom, like all the little, even I love this. This is in one article that came out a couple of weeks ago. People said even typewriting, if you're moving your fingers <laughs> and then you're getting up and standing, yeah. that can make thermogenesis. You only burn probably about 50 calories, but if you're adding them up over the day, cause yeah. you're not actually full on intentional exercising with like activity. Of, of like, just I'm going out for a run, then you're going to be burning those calories. But remembering, because people in my program are asking me, well, I, how do I lose the weight if I'm just doing that kind of stuff? And good morning, Joe. And how do I lose the weight is you've got to stay in the calorie deficit. So if yep. you're burning, if you're tracking it and you're burning 600 calories in your, in your NEAT, but you're eating 
3000 calories, you're not going to be in deficit. Right. So you have to be able to know that 3000 calories isn't typical for most people. And as we know, but you know, you have to be at least in a 500 calorie deficit a day to lose poundage. Um, but if you even can accumulate some deficit on a daily, that would be good. Well, so that was my whole program. 3,500 calories is a pound. 500 calories a day was the original goal. And then once you get going in that right. and you start to see some results, I can do a thousand. And a key to doing a thousand is adding another three or 400 in that type of activity that you're talking about. Walks were a huge part of it for me. And and that's the thing. And so taking, so, so taking like the dog for the, for a walk around the block, that's like a half a mile. That's not, not exercise. That is absolutely exercise, but that's considered the neat exercise. It's not the intentional full-on cardiovascular right. aerobic exercise that's going to burn more calories, but it counts towards that neat goal. So if you're want a person that wants to accumulate those calorie burn off of neat and make your body just have a better weight management and you're not looking for cardiovascular health or flexibility or, or endurance or anything like that, then you're going to be able to do that, but you have to accumulate it. Yeah. So if you just do that once and then you sit down on the couch again, you'll still get that burn. But if you, then you go and eat 2000 calories, you're not in a deficit. Yeah. That no, day. It's transactional. The difference right. between those two types of exercises, one is you burn 250 calories and whatever you do, that's 250 calories, put mm -hmm. it on the books. But if you do something a little bit more intense, you'll get a calorie burn for a longer period of time, an right. extend, extended period of time too. Right. That's why you want to do some weights along with it because you get the muscles working, get your metabolism up. Well, that's why, that's yeah. why even if you're, if you see what, well, this is one of the things I run into with people is as soon as you start making it like an exercise and people who aren't exercisers or who shy away from it or feel that's too much, and you start saying like, add some weights to it, like take your little dumbbells, you know, your five pound dumbbells or your three pound dumbbells and walk outside, you know, yeah. up and down the street, people immediately, not all, but generalizable. <laughs> Here is that they oh that's exercise, so it's this is one way of trying to make it easier. Instant gratification for people that don't want to put all the extra efforts in, but want to be able to count their daily exercise that they do around the house as as calorie counted, and they, and you can, but you just have to be mindful that then you can't get, sit down to a three thousand calorie but meal. Th that motivation is a huge part of it because what happened for me is once you start, first of all, the key to this calorie deficit is logging what you eat and understanding right. how many calories you're taking in. Then you start to understand how many calories you're burning. You start to get results. You get more enthusiastic and you start gaming the system, or at least I did. Right. You start finding foods that'll keep you satiated longer or less calories. Protein. Right. Protein, protein. Yep, exactly. Just adding protein, to everything basically. And, right. And then you find ways to burn more calories. It's like, right. yeah, because well, I got use... the great results at 500. And then I said, I can do a thousand. All I have to do is add three or 400. I'm not doing anything. Just go hit the treadmill for the place that you love to be. Yeah. That treadmill. Yeah. Well, well, it's... well, I just want to make a point about the, the, the protein plant-based, pro... <laughs> let me rewind that plant-based proteins also are much easier on the body and the gut and help you more than like the heavy meats. Yep. So just keeping that oh, in yeah, mind yeah. because they have more water content in them. So being mindful that like, if you're going to eat like edamame, tofu, so, you know, all the soy based kinds of things like that, unless you're allergic to soy, um, you know, and then of course your, your animal base would be, you know, obviously chicken, turkey, fish, shellfish, um, things like that. That'd be better. Um, but 
certainly more eggs, more protein and more protein and more protein in, because that's actually going to keep you filled longer and help you when you're doing the neat technique. Um, because that's, that's just going to be more, it's just, they, they equal out. Now, one person texted me last week after the show and said, and I, this, this is actual intentional exercise. Um, he lives up in New Hampshire and he, for all intents and purposes, he is very active from about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning outside in and around the house. And he like chops wood and he brings it from like yeah. up in the mountain area back down. And, you know, he's loading, you know, he almost broke his nose last year when a tree fell on his face, oh, like, and he was out in the woods alone, you know, New Hampshire like, so problems. He, yeah, exactly. So, but, <laughs> but he's, he, you know, facetiously i think he was asking me but like is that is that just me or is that more like that's what i would consider more more intentional exercise because he's moving all day long and like he's lifting weights essentially and he you can tell the difference because he's in his shape is not it's not just weight loss or just weight maintain it's actual you know he has jacked arms and he's like you know in good shape and you know Yep. And he's got good cardiovascular because he's up and down the back hills of this place that he lives at and all these things. So that's not neat. That's real full on with intention push exercise. And you can have both. And it's it's important that if you don't do intentional exercise, you just have to have enough to burn five, 800 calories of your meat on a daily. Yep. Um, the, the, the stuck point is that when people get stuck sitting all day, like I do, you have to really put in. 25 to 30 minutes of exercise. And here's the extra piece of this today. There's been some really great studies out recently. And I think that they might actually be in the news this week. I don't know. Um, Cause I always see these things a few weeks before, but when you get 25 to 30 minutes of exercise a day, we're not talking neat. We're talking like real, real push exercise with intent. When you do that and you have poor sleep anyway, like you're a poor sleeper, you have insomnia, you're a worrier, you have hypersomnia, whatever those pieces are that your sleep is poor, you or you get short change sleep. You're only you only get five hours a night instead of five or six. I mean instead of six or seven, or you get nine or ten, which is too much. When you have intentional exercise of 25 to 30 minutes a day, and or you get at least a, a 500 to 800 calorie neat burn a day, your sleep deprivation or issues will actually not be as bad for your health. And the exercise piece will benefit you in prolonging your life, even if you have a sleep issue, because the deprivation and sleep usually shortens our lifespan. But if you have the exercise added in and you're burning the calories and your body's functional in that way, you'll actually counteract some of the poor sleep habits that people have. Um, and people just increasingly, at least in my practice, have had more and more poor sleep habits. So that, so if you guys want to go out and look for it, there's new articles and new studies out in the past two weeks, at least two weeks about the fact that, you know, this exercise will counteract the bad things of poor sleep. So here, you know, it's like this full circle, it always comes around and it, oh. and it makes it so much better. Plus it brings down inflammation, um, in your body, which makes sleep, um, you know, our sleep is supposed to repair us. So if we're not having really great sleep, but we're exercising, it's repairing us and that thermogenesis, you know, the burn, the burn and the genetics, I mean, the genetics, the genesis of burning the calories or burning through is giving us some repair, even if we get eh, sleep exercise is crucial it's huge right it's just it's such a help for your mental state 
help define for me, because this is the question I get into a lot, especially when I'm on the treadmill, the difference between neat and legitimate exercise. Is it heart rate? How do you, how do you define legitimate exercise? So, so of course, I'm sure there's people that are going to be like legitimate exercise is, is, is going to be controversial, but I know exactly what you mean. So, yeah. so the first thing is going legitimate exercise or intentional exercise is what I call it is yeah. you're going with the, you're, you're going into it with, you're putting on sneakers, you're putting on uh, biking shoes, you're putting on a swimsuit. You're going with the intention of working out. You're not, you're not sidetracked with four other things in the house. You're not, you are solely taking that time with intention to do that thing. And that's what it's dedicated to without distraction. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's raising your heart rate, you know, anywhere from 100 to 120, 130, depending on your fitness level, right? 140, 150, depending again, yeah. uh, up to a point where you're going to keep it at that rate for, you know, X period of time, depending on, you know, your weight, your height, what your fitness level is, right? You'd have to check with your your professionals in your life to, or if you know already, you know, um, because you can't, you, you don't want to be having like 150 beats per minute heart rate on like something and you're like 220 pounds and you haven't exercised, yeah. you're going to keel over yeah. likely. Um, so you just want to, so it's the intention first, mm -hmm. and then it's going into it with raising the heart rate and then staying at least at 20, giving yourself at least 20 minutes at the, at the bare minimum, 20 minutes is good. 10 minutes a day. If you're not an exerciser at all intention, 10 minutes a day to start of something, even if you do 10 minutes of up and down stairs, even if you do 10 minutes of back and forth is because the brain neurologically has to know that it has intention to do this. It's not mindlessly sweeping the floor or oh, mindlessly vacuuming yep. the house. You're just burnt. That's just an automatic activity that's ending up burning, right? It's kind of like, I know this is going to sound weird. It's kind of like when people have sex, they're not thinking about the fact that they're burning calories, but they are. Yeah. So you're going to have more sex, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Because you burn, you burn like 150 calories in, you know, a typical session. Right. So that that adds to it. But you're not doing anything that has the neurological mindset of going out and um, with intention to do it. So if you're going out with I'm going to the gym, I'm going for a bike ride. I'm, and, and people have asked me, what are the most efficient ways to burn calories with intention for legitimate exercise? Typically, it's biking, swimming and walking on an incline. Yeah. Right. So. All things that people need to. <laughs> well, I don't like biking. So yeah. I'm doing um, like I'll try to fit in. Well, rowing. Up. Rowing is also yeah. an excellent. Sorry, I didn't write that. Rowing is also a full body intense workout like swimming. So I'll try to fit in an hour of treadmill. And the first 20, 25 minutes will be with a heart rate of 130, inclines mm -hmm. of about four. And then the rest of it is slower, but an incline of six. And That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Right. Because you're getting the cardiovascular fitness. You're getting the endurance right? For length yep. of time, you're also getting like the, the quality of the co combination balance of everything. And, and then in general, you're keeping it up long enough to get your serotonin, your norepinephrine, all the pieces that have to do with your body's movement functionality, yep. like acetylcholine. And some people would say it's acetylcholine. 
um, that's for movement and function of joints and things like that. So all your neurotransmitters, the longer you go, the more charged up they're going to be, the longer effects that you will have. It's kind of like when you go out into nature and you do a hike, for instance, mm -hmm. if you go out in nature, the fact that you're in nature, like out on the trail, a flat trail somewhere, or even a mountain hike, the, just being in nature alone stimulates that piece. Yeah. When you add in the exercise, it does that thing I just said. And that can, if you don't do it again for another three weeks, the amount of, of endorphin rush and the amount of um, neurotransmitter happiness chemical dump that happens can give you two to three weeks of an uplift. And if you're doing it all the time, like there's a guy up in New Hampshire right now that does it, he climbs Mount Washington or one of the 4,000 footers on a daily. On a daily? On a daily. Oh, Lord. He's quite famous. Yeah. He's, he's White Mountains famous. White His name Mountain. is Eric. Yeah. Oh, Eric. Yeah. Do you know Eric? I've heard the name. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't, I'm not going to. What kind of life do you have to have to be able to do that on a daily basis? What? What kind of life do you have to have? Well, to be I don't able to know. Do what, I'm imagining. I I haven't met him, but I watch him on on his social media. My my imagination says that you know, he has a really laid back lifestyle. Yeah. And you know, and I don't know what he does for a living. Maybe. It's funny how challenging it is because my transition every year I transition to the in the gym part of the year yeah. and then the on the street part of the year because I love to walk. I, right. I love to walk and, and you're on the beach. Yeah. And yesterday I did the first probably the first walk of the outdoor season and it was a stretch it was a little tough and it's ah. not, not what i'm doing because it, it's less than what i was doing on the treadmill for example but it's like wow this is different because it's just your your alert level your you know what you're paying attention to that you know primal stuff is kicked up a little bit higher oh that's an interesting piece of it so you because you're out in the environment now your your focus is like yeah. shifted and so you have to pay attention to different things you're watching for coyotes and seagulls and stuff like that did you say coyotes? Yeah. Coyotes. Yeah. Up in Plum Island on the beach. We have coyotes. On the beach? Oh, yeah. Really? No, I, mean, I want to see that. Not you usually during the day, but yeah. They're well, up I want to see one on the... I had a dream about a bobcat last night. Oh, yeah? Is that weird? Yes. Well, I did have a bobcat in my yard yesterday in the middle of the day. Now I need to know what the animal totem is for a bobcat. You what? The animal totem for a bobcat. I, I don't know. But I probably was dreaming about it because we had one in the yard yesterday. Twice. Oh, yeah. The well, same that, one. He was big. That was she, it. it. Did you have a picture of a couple of them? Yeah. Well, I have a video of the one from yesterday because John took it. John got freaked out. Not freaked out bad, but the thing, thing was like 20 feet away from him. And all of a sudden he looked up and he was like, <gasps> whoops. I mean, they don't hurt anybody. They're not people attackers. Coyote, different. Bobcats don't. Yeah. As you know, I know this because of my work with bobcats. Yes. They don't um, attack people. Um, they will not attack a human. Uh, a mountain lion will. A bobcat will not attack a human unless it's protecting its babies, okay. and it will not. Um, or if it's rabid, but it's very rare that a bobcat is rabid ever. <coughs> you won't have that. Fox, yes. Coyote, yes. Just because of their. They'll take your pets though. They will not take. They will not take um, pets per se. Like because people always post stuff like. I don't know how we got on this, but we'll go back to neat in a second. But they will not take your little dogs and little cats if there's bunnies and chipmunks and rabbits and uh, bunnies, rabbits, but birds yeah. and other vermin around. Okay. <laughs> okay. But if they're really starving and they're really right, and yep. you've got you know your cats hanging out, they're less likely to go for a cat than they are for like a little dog because cats 
they're in the same family, they will fight back and they yeah. will, they usually put up a pretty good fight. So cats, bobcats usually don't go at cats. Um, dogs don't put up the fight. Little dogs. Yeah. They don't like Rocky yeah. would have no chance. No. Like Rocky would, that would, you know, my little friend Rocky would. Seagull would get Rocky. <laughs> yeah. A, a crow could get Rocky. Yeah, right. A bluebird, a blackbird. I mean, yeah. um, a blue jay could get Rocky. Yeah. That's how, right? So, but because bobcats will get the bad rap because they often get linked in with um, uh, pumas or mountain lions. Not the same thing. A mountain lion will stalk you and kill you. They'll gut you. They, they, okay. they're lovely and they're beautiful and they can be amazing and they're i mean they're they not can't they are amazing but don't be caught on a trail and john near the babies. 10 feet from me yesterday what john said it was 10 feet from him yesterday yep um what what does oh Bruce's interested Bruce in brain says, fog um i can do a show on brain fog absolutely if you ask a couple specific questions i can answer them here also, but um, if he wants that, he can ask some of those because if there's something specific and then I can do a show on brain fog because there's lots of reasons why we have brain fog. But going back to the um, the neat, neat piece, right, is and, and then I'm going to move into a, a separate subject okay. because someone else asked me to talk about it this week. Um, so I encourage people who are not exercisers and who really just don't have one the want, need, or desire, or the whatever, um, or the motivation, or the time in their mind, that try to accumulate how many neat items you can, yep. right? So find like things that are neat, so to speak, to do that will give you some calorie burn. And then, you know, with good, good diet or better diet habits, you might actually lose some weight and get yourself into a better state of mind and have better sleep and all those things. And that might make you more motivated to do the actual intentional exercise that you don't want to do. Walking is great. I mean, walking yeah. is fun. It's good for your state of mind. It's just, and it, it fits this, fits this mold, doesn't it? It, it, it? Walking fits the mold. It's it. So this is more speaking to the people it's speaking to everyone, but it's speaking to a lot of people who, um, have gotten into the bad habit or the unhealthy habit of just getting complacent to sitting in the house on the couch and time goes by because they're either scrolling through TikTok for two or three hours or they've watched a movie after movie or they're just used to sitting in their dark room and, you know, and, and, you know, kids, teenagers, they're, it's, it's yep. not, it's not missing any age group here. Um, so, you know, getting a person just enough movement to get up and out of the house to walk would be great. It, but this is the precursor to getting up and out of the house. Cause if you can get someone to, you know, go up and down the stairs a couple of times, vacuum, um, wash some windows, do something that's movement oriented, they're more likely, but it's just to get them out of the room to do those things because then the walk becomes the next thing. And then maybe something else bigger than that. Right. So that's, that's the important piece there. Um, obviously the wonderful thing about doing things with intention, I mean, you get a bigger bang for your buck, right? Yep. So if you want to want to burn 800 calories in 45 minutes, well, go out for a run. Yeah. Right. But if you're not there yet, there's 500 million different ways of activities, including typewriting, which I always love that in the article typewriting, um, or having sex if you're appropriate age and con consensual, <laughs> yeah. um, or, you know, just sweeping the floor, you know, or washing dishes or walking around the house in circles, talking on the phone. That actually is part of yeah. the neat cycle. If you're walking around on the phone, talking, 
but you'd be okay taking baby steps because you don't yeah. need you don't need to burn 800 calories today no. you know no but people want things fast instant gratification so yeah. there's an upside to the thing that all this stuff is coming up out about the you know the non-exercise activity thermogenesis which has always been there yep. it's just being activated now there's a lot coming out so people are like oh i don't have to exercise i can burn so now that's here's here's a quick fix to get me to burn a lot of and i'm gonna have like the beach body in two months for june yeah that's not how this is no. gonna work if if you're just you know sweeping the floor once no, but if you get it started and get moving, and a big thing for me is accountability. You know, yeah. Track what you're eating, track your exercise, gamify it, you know? Right. Especially if you get a little competitive nature in you. Right. You know, you're going to, you know, just get level for a while and then create your 200, 300, 500 calorie deficit and then build on that. Right. And again, you figure out ways to game the system. That's what, that's the way it worked for me. Right. Well, and that, and that's, and I think people have to have patience for that. And that's part of, you know, patience for the, non-instant gratification of doing these things and you know i go out with people sometimes to a mountain and uh, you know me i can go up and down a mountain like nobody's business right but people want to go up and down the mountain with me and i'll pick a small mountain because i know and we'll get halfway up the mountain and we're yep. done yeah because they can't breathe which is fine but they think that they can do it because they think they're in shape because they're thinner or they have what and like no you have to actually you have to have the physicality of some kind of practice and, and, and intentional spaces underneath to have built that accumulated trajectory to be able to do that. Yep. You know, yeah, you know. Um, so I didn't see Scott come back and answer the question unless I missed it. So I will not be able to answer that question if Scott doesn't come back. And then, um, so Bruce didn't either. So, <laughs> so I will, I will not be able to answer Bruce's specific questions on brain fog, but I will keep that in mind for next week or the week after to talk about brain fog, um, specifically, but it would be great if he had some questions. Is that about a thing? It. Is that a clinical thing? What? Is that a clinical thing? Well, it's, it's not a, well, I guess we'll talk about it for a second. Okay. Brain fog is something that people identify a lot in terms of how they feel in a clinical setting so yeah. to speak like if you say how does it feel like how does medication make you feel i feel brain i feel like i have a brain fog or not with medication people will say i walk around feeling this fogginess in my brain like it's heavy or and, and clinically diagnostically that's a sign for lots of different things that could be anything from a couple of weeks ago uh one of my clients was exhausted kept reporting brain fog fatigue and all these things and she's not a depressed person. She's not an anxious person per se. Like she's, you know, she has some other things. Right. But I was like, let's rule out some medical things. And sure enough, her brain fog was, she has Lyme disease. Oh, so she needed a round it. of antibiotics because yeah. she got bitten by a tick recently and she wasn't here. She was away. Mm. Did she have to fight to get that diagnosis? Because nowadays it seems like you have to fight. No, for I'm it. very, I'm very persuasive when I call doctor's offices and I ask for yeah. a Western blot. Because they don't like to do that for some right. reason. They have a problem with the well because Lyme it's expensive. Thing. The yeah. the big test, the one that's really really accurate, is more expensive. Yeah, and they don't like to send out for it. But Bruce, so you probably persuasive. just answered Bruce's question. Wait, said, wait, 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 what? Yeah, you probably just answered his question. He said, "Do you think snapping a rubber band on your wrist brings you back from the fog? Not not if it's phys physical in nature, right? Not if it's what? Not if it's physical in nature. Um, like Lyme disease, that's not going to work." Right. So, yeah. so if he, if you're asking about brain fog from like just a psychological perspective where you're in like a, like a, a medicated something going on, which is 
brain fog can, right? Or if you're talking about something just physical, like that's mental physical, you can, you can bring yourself a little bit of neurotransmitter action from snapping a rubber band on your wrist. Um, that doesn't necessarily help brain fog per se as a, I think it's a temporary quick relief for a few minutes. You know, yeah. it's kind of like when we tell kids to snap a rubber band when they're feeling agitated or whatever, but not necessarily for brain fog because usually brain fog is like, let me give you an example. So, so person coming out of addiction mm-hmm. and going into sobriety, we won't even call it recovery yet. We're just going from the addiction into just no use of the substance, right? right. Yep. They will experience brain fog. So brain fog in that case very specifically is what, what would I prescribe for that? That means I make sure the person is drinking lots of water, eating good food, and they don't have to eat tons because most of the time people are not really hungry. Right. So they're, you know, but what they do eat is healthy water base, you know, all the things I prescribe for everything else in terms of like your, your, your mental health, and then being able to add movement, just getting up and being able to stand, yeah. walk around because the sitting makes brain fog worse, right? So just being able to do that. The snapping of rubber bands or the biofeedback techniques that we use in psychology and psychiatry, they can help you um, become grounded, what we call you know, clinically grounded to the environment, like be present in your environment, bring you out of a state of um, you know, maybe maybe you're delusional, you know, and having like thoughts of grandeur, or it can bring you out of states of anxiety, or it can bring you back into being present. Um, But you have to still do a couple of other things because just snapping the rubber band won't, won't sustain, it's not sustainable. Um, So there's other things that have to go along with that whole process. Um, So it really is dependent. I mean, it's a very broad question in terms of brain fog because it can fall under so many different things. So in terms of the addiction one I gave you, that's one. Um, People who have diabetes often have brain fog as a, as a rule because the sugar, the, the, like, you know, the glucose levels are either too high, too low. So whenever we're having chemical imbalances in our body, it mentally will make us have a fogginess to us usually. Um, and fog can be heavy. It can also feel dizzy. It can also feel lightheaded. Um, because, or it can just feel like it's a cloud of like, you're just not able to think quite right. You're just, you know, you feel disconnected. There's a, um, maybe some disorganization, lack of concentration, those kinds of things that you're just not able. And some medications can do that. Like the one you were on, that was giving you brain fog. And as soon as you said what it was, I said, you shouldn't be on that. That's causing your problem. And then you went off of it. Right. Yep. And then it yep. fixed the problem yeah. because some medications in general can cause brain fog. Some medications in certain people can cause brain fog and some medications in certain genders will cause brain fog. And that's also true for certain foods and certain beverages and certain environmental factors. So it's a bigger answer to Bruce's question, because there's so many different things. So it's really case by case. So, but I, I mean, the general rule of thumb is you still have to typically identify the source if you can, and then be nutritionally sound, be activity sound, and, you know, make sure you're talking about it or doing something that's proactive in terms of how you're managing the symptoms and where they're coming from. Let's go back to the medication base for a second, because yeah. I was lucky enough to have you around to be able to question. Why, thank you very much. But And, well, it obviously worked out great, too. 
but a lot of people don't. And the only alternative is, as you put it, Dr. Google all the time. How do we vet what we should be on and the quality of the medications are being prescribed? And what's the best way to go about doing that? Well, I advocate for people to be self-advocating, right? So, and most people, should I say most, many people do not self-advocate because they're afraid of being, of speaking up to an authority figure such as their doctor who thinks that they think that the doctor knows all. So therefore they can't challenge it. Therefore, you know, if the doctor is giving it to them, then that must be okay. If you're cause, if you have, a, if you're taking a medication that's causing you a symptom and you know that it's coming from that medication or you think it's likely, even if your doctor says, no, 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 you have to self-advocate or get a second opinion or make sure that the, unfortunately the next step is often the doctor that has prescribed, no offense, will give you the, another thing to combat that feeling you're getting from the other medication. And I always say, stop, yeah. hold before we start adding in something, right? Like say you had come to me with that issue and, and, the likelihood is that more often than not, that doctor or whoever you were seeing would have said, let's add in this and then kept you on that thing. Would it have helped? I don't know. It could have worsened it. It could have given you extra side effects on top of it. I mean, it, typically it doesn't help, you know, adding another bandaid on top of another bandaid to have another bandaid is not helpful. That's swallowing a spider to catch a fly, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm always of the mind to make sure that you are advocating for yourself, even it's like self-fidelity, keeping true to yourself that don't just entrust someone to say, yes, this is it. Because yeah. there's so many um, just generic go-tos for doctors to jump to um, because they're just used to it. Like Zoloft and Prozac. You go to any primary care, if you say, if you do your 20 item checklist for the Beck depression inventory. Yep. Anybody that wants to look depressed can just check them all off. They'll give you, and what they'll give you is Prozac or Zoloft. Prozac and Zoloft are like so old school and they can work, but they have all these massive side effects and they do. They have erectile dysfunction in men. They have weight gain in everybody and not a little bit, not five pounds. That's, that's not true. They yeah. give most people huge weight gain. They have retention of water. They can give you hypertension. They can give you, um, anticholinergic effects in your, that means that you have gastrointestinal issues. You could have constipation, diarrhea, dry mouth, blurriness, dizziness. And those Sounds are like typically fun. the ones that yeah. come with all of them. And I see them in everybody. Yeah. As soon as I start hearing them, I'm like, oh, you're on the wrong medication because they're old school, right? They're not the ones. And, and we can actually combat a lot of stuff if we just do other things, which you know, right? Holistically. Yep. So if you're not a, so going back to your Google, Dr. Google and vetting things out is unfortunately, I'm not a fan of Dr. Google because usually my patients will come in and say, so I was on Google. And I'm like, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. Yep. Right. And so then we spend our session teasing out yep. what Dr. Google said. Right. And then I have to explain. And for some reason, people don't have problems coming to me to ask me as the doctor, which is fine. I love that. So they'll advocate for themselves with me because I, I don't get offended if someone comes in and says, when you said blah, 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 what did you mean? You know what I mean? I'm well, like, oh, let me, you know, or so people, I think, feel more comfortable. By nature, they converse with you, which we don't do with our right. primary care. Right. I, I'm fortunate, too. My PA is great. She's, you know, and I gave her your suggestion. She goes, all right, let's try it. You know, because she was frustrated, too, because it, it was a high blood pressure medication. Right. And we weren't getting anywhere. Plus, there was all these side effects. And right. Because, all right, let's try this. Right. 
Yeah. And thank God she was open to that from me telling you that because a lot of times that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's and, what I would imagine you run into a lot. So it's and difficult. It, and it does. So so that's why it's. I'm happy to talk about like if someone, you know, because most of the time, and this is serious, if you do a Google search on I have hives, it won't go to, you know, like, do did you get stung by a bee? Did you, you know, have a contact dermatitis? It's, it's either you got stung by a bee or you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no. Three, no every, and you have a tumor. It's like, wait, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, every doctor Google has cancer like six paragraphs in. If you keep yeah. reading, you have cancer. If, if, if yeah. all of, it's, well, it's usually two, two point one point two, and then cancer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. then death, yeah. if not sooner, right? Yeah. And so, and I have, I have several patients who contact me quite frequently about, so I had this blah, blah, blah feeling and I looked it up on, I'm like, oh no, every time <laughs> I'm like, why did you look it up on Google? And then, and, but they, they, and I have said to them, and this is for everybody too, is that once you start putting in search engines in your, in your search bars yeah. for things yep. that have to do with tumors and cancer and hives and like now it starts tailoring the information to you yep. that's going to send you down that rabbit hole to get covered by dirt and die. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ask clients, patients, please do not use Google. If you have a question, call your primary care physician, ask them if you're not satisfied there, call me or come in and talk to me and I'll direct you to the place to go. You know, if it's endocrinology, if it's cancer, if it's, yep. you know, dermatitis, you know, whatever it is, but everything on Google is going to end in cancer and death. I know it, Google has armed everybody with everything and everybody thinks they know everything. And well, I used yeah. to like the WebMD symptom checker because it used to actually give you like quite a, quite a good variety of pretty accurate stuff. And now, no, yeah. now it's that same thing. It's yep. like you put it in and you're, you know, you have some rare lymphoma. It's never been heard of before. Google's like, Will, like Wilms tumor. It's like, wait, what? That's like have five cases in the whole world and you have it. Not I'm to like, pick, it, pick on Google, but the internet in general is just brutal right now because, you know, someone comes to me with something from the internet or a position from the internet and I guess check flat earth society. You right. Know, you can, you can get talked into anything on the internet, even the most ridiculous things. Yes. Oh, I was restraining Bruce. Um, well, that's the thing. And, and well, and that goes to the search engines. If you look, if you are putting in stuff, looking for something specific, it starts mind guessing because it's algorithms are set to figure out what you're doing. Yep. I mean, it's amazing how we could talk about this and I'll get in the car and it will be on my yep. search engines. Yep. Right. Um, and then I just delete and then it doesn't come back as long as I don't engage it. It's like people, if you don't engage it, it will stop. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's, but it is such a danger because it gives such misinformation and, you know, it's disinformation causes huge stress mm -hmm. because it, if it, it, it leads to brain fog because it becomes overwhelming for people because it's not able to be processed in lieu of or in lack of the educated understanding of what it's saying. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like when doctors now put everything into the portal and then a, I, I interpret more portal readings of 
things then people are like look at what it says am i dying and i'm like nope that's actually fine you're yeah. fine yeah <laughs> but so they you know they leave people to their own devices to go look it up because there's no they give them like all the labs and then there's no explanation and it's like and, you know and it's like the labs and there's like red and uh, you know yeah. big red marks and people are like oh my god i'm dying i'm like no you're actually not but, yeah so know. what if i have high x and then three paragraphs and you're dying that's that's the way google is yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, so Bruce was saying that he quit smoking and it gave him brain fog. Yes, it actually would give you brain fog. Typical response. Because yeah. it's a very common response. Because what happens is, ready for the now here you get to come to my class. Here's my here's my oh, quick and dirty class about nicotine. So. I will go through the whole class in my head. So you're going to give me the five extra minutes here. Um, oh, sure. So, so, cause you were late. So nicotine, we make nicotine in our brains. Did you know that? Um, I assumed. You, really? Did you? Are yeah. you just saying that? I think we've had the conversation before. Yeah. Okay. So we have nicotinic neuroreceptors. That's nicotine, right? So we are, oh, that's a, that's like serotonin and norepinephrine and GABA and all the, right? So yep. we have nicotinic receptors. So when we are non-smokers, we're constantly producing lots of different neurotransmitters. When we start to smoke and it's nicotine, not THC, when we start to smoke nicotine, it basically stops us from having to make our own and using our own nicotinic receptors, which I'm, I mean, this is a really oversimplified version of this, but it's like turning the light switch off on the receptors to have to do any of the work that they yeah. provide for the body. It atrophies your ability and, to. Right. It depletes the yeah. ability for them to function mm -hmm. because the substitute of the nicotine from the external comes in, takes over and intensifies your body's alert system to it gives it intense amounts especially if you're a big smoker right like mm -hmm. you like you get you know people get the high off the first one and then they have like 10 more and 20 more and then yeah. two packs a day whatever so now the brain let's put it as a, the exaggerated thing the nicotinic receptors have stopped mm -hmm. naturally yep now when you stop smoking and you try to quit first of all one of the reasons why when people quit cold turkey they become rageful jerks <laughs> right? Yep. There's a clinical term, rageful jerks, <laughs> yep. um, is because it puts the body into such a shock from now the receptors are going, <gasps> you know, they're like screaming at you yep. going, oh my God. So that opens up the brain to anxiety. The brain's in anxiety mode, fight and flight. It's yep. in, you know, the amygdala is charged up for agitation and anger. And the hippocampus is now hungry because nicotine shuts down the hippocampus from being hungry. Now we're going to gain weight. Like all these things are open back up. So when, whether you do it cold turkey or whether you do it slowly and you're off of it, what it's doing is it will lead to brain fog because your body has become so accustomed and habituated to using the nicotine without having to produce it itself. It's baseline never feels quite right enough again. It's addiction. Yeah. So it's the same thing in alcohol, opiates, um, you know, gambling, um, PTSD, very similar. What happens is the brain, when it goes back to its normal baseline, never feels quite right. It will go back physiologically to the baseline, but the brain will kind of have that fog to yeah. it. Now that will pass typically, depending on how long you were a smoker, depending on how much you used, all those things. Um, if you were a menthol smoker, 
my experience anecdotally is it takes a lot longer for someone to get past this, past all these symptoms, like two, three, four years Mm -hmm. of the brain fog because menthol, because menthol said, you know how bad they are on top of how bad cigarettes are. They're just bad for you. Right. So, and I always call it, they burn the brain. So the, the baseline of the nicotine itself is trying to just reset itself to just do the regular work and reset the hippocampus and reset the amygdala. The, by the way, those two are really important functions of your brain because they're your emotional centers. There's three parts to the emotional center of your brain called the limbic system. Here's mm. your education for the day. <laughs> so the amygdala, the hippocampus, hippocampus, and the hypothalamus. And I misspoke because I said the hippocampus was the thing that's shutting on and off for the hunger. It's the hypothalamus. I, I, yep. I, I misuse my H's in my <laughs> race to get it out. Um, but those three regulate your emotional center. So when your nicotine comes back to its base and you're not using externals for getting regulated, your brain, those three parts of your emotional center, which are regulating your fog or non-fog, they struggle because they haven't had to work in the same way as they did when you were just using an artificial thing. So you recover your ability to generate the nicotine, but your your brain has to calm down from how much nicotine it needs. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's why I, I mean, or I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, when people say I'm quitting smoking and then they go on Nicorette. I swear to put my hands in my face like that. And because if you were already, you know, it's the step down program when you're doing like the Nicorette programs and all the different quit smoking programs that they have, because you're, you're now just not smoking it. You're still getting the patches, still yeah. delivering it. You're just not smoking. So what you're doing is you're breaking the habit of the hand to mouth oral fixation that was happening, but you're still putting the nicotine in your body, which is still the same thing. And people think, well, I quit smoking you quit smoking by habit, but you didn't quit the nicotine, which is the problem. But if you're talking a three to five year recovery period, right. Doesn't a step down process make sense? It does. So that's where, that's where it works. If the person continues to do it. Now there's other medications out there that can, that you can get it quicker done. And in terms of, you know, doing that, but they will all put you in a, they, everything will put you in a brain fog when it comes to quitting anything addictive, sugar, caffeine, nicotine, um, extra fatty foods, uh, it, like they all can have brain fog, but nicotine's a big one. Nicotine's yeah. harder than kicking heroin. I can, yeah. And alcohol is really hard, isn't it? Well, ha- nicotine's harder. Alcohol is dangerous. It's, well, alcohol is very hard, well, but it's you, you can die. Yeah. If you just, if you're like, you know, a severe, like hmm. severe alcoholic. Now, yeah. how do you define severe? Well, you can't live. I've without seen the- them. You're right. You can't, you can't live without the drink every day. It's constant. It's like, you know, inebriation, you know, things like that. If you go in, if you go into withdrawal and you haven't had any and you go through that, you can go through, you know, DTs and have a heart attack and die. Um, Nicotine, not so much. And nicotine's not a natural process of cigarettes. I mean, that was, that was an added. So, so this is the thing. Oh, that's what I meant to say at the beginning of, of my speech about this is that back in the day hmm. when cigarettes weren't when they were rolled and you've got the tobacco off the farm and you know how you go down to the South and you see all these beautiful yep. tobacco farms and all that stuff. The, the rolling of the natural product itself has, it's not, it has nothing to do with nicotine. Yeah. The nicotine's added. Intentionally it's, for it's this all, reason. It's, it's yeah. added for the process of getting people to, it's like, it's like Pringles. 
not to knock Pringles, but you add in the chemicals into Doritos and Pringles and all the foods to make you eat more. MSG, Chinese food. So you eat more, right? So it's the same thing. Nicotine's added in as an additive. It works with Pringles. I'll tell you that much. I, I know. And it works <laughs> with Doritos or whatever the slogan is for the whatever product has. You can't just eat one, right? Yeah. That's because there's that chemical in there to do it. So it's like nicotine. It's like Diet Coke. I'm a Diet Coke drinker. That's my little, you know, me with my little Diet Cokes. There's phenylalanine in it. What does it do? I And I knowingly actively know. And I still drink it. <laughs> yeah. But there could be worse things. But it's just like the fact that this is intentional to get you addicted. Nic right. Nicotine was in intentionally introduced to get you addicted. Right. And so when you put nicotine in what became cigarettes contemporary with the Philip Morris Agency and did all that kind of stuff, right? And they got in trouble because they intentionally, non-intentionally did it, right? As I roll my eyes. I mean, there are up to 198, 200 products that go into making up a cigarette, whereas back in the day, the entire rolled cigarette was all tobacco. Yeah. And now it's a little teeny, teeny, tiny speck of tobacco plant in a cigarette that's loaded with, and, and I'm not kidding, arsenic, aluminum, you know, nicotine, alcohol, ethyl ether, like all kinds of stuff. Mm. Oh, and, and occasionally, and they had to I don't know if most of them changes, but one of the reasons why menthol was taken off the market was because it had asbestos in it. Yeah. Put that in your lungs. It's like, there's a claim for mesothelioma. <laughs> Lord. Right? Yeah. And so, nicotine, I imagine, unlike like heroin, for example, people have different predilections towards addiction to heroin, but I'm guessing nicotine, like everybody's susceptible to well, yes. Yeah. Um, I have to just go back to Bruce. Okay, so Bruce has just said, oh my God, three to five years of desire of nicotine, shoot me now. <laughs> it's going to um, be okay. Okay, let me just calm Bruce down before we go. So it's it's not, Bruce, it's not going to be three to five years of desire for it. What we call in, in psych and in psychiatry is we call it pause, post-acute withdrawal syndrome. So you'll have on and off cravings you'll have on and off feelings for the the substance here and there over the, and you might even have it sometimes 10 years later but it's hit or miss and the further away you get from using yep. the substance the further away those things happen um is it the same as brain fog i think that's what he asked me is that what he asked me is, is the, the desire, desire the same as the fog or is the desire right. that brings the fog? so so very good question so so the desire is separate from the fog. The fog is just the brain itself trying to go back to its normal state. Yeah. The desire it's is dysregulated. Just, to it's just trying to regulate yeah. itself yeah. back to its normal state. And it's trying to, and it's not a system that works unto itself. So it's trying to regulate because nicotine impacts serotonin, which is your mood regulator, which impacts your GABA, which is your anxiety regulator, which, which impacts your dopamine levels, which is your pleasure center. Like, so it, your body is trying to regulate itself and therefore that's the fog. The desire is separate. That's the post-acute with, that's pause. Post-acute withdrawal symptoms, mm -hmm. syndrome, whatever you want to call it. That's when you have the cravings and the experience. Now that can last up to two to three years for people and then be in its hit or miss. It's yeah. not every day. It's not all the time. So no one needs to shoot you now. <laughs> <laughs> but the further away, Bruce, you get from it, the better it will feel. And the brain fog will lift. 
I don't know your case. I don't know when you stopped, whatever, but I always encourage people to um, drink lots of water during this time if you've just recently quit. And I know this is going to sound really weird, but start drinking daily a, a good cup or more, like eight ounces of no sugar added tart cherry juice. Cherry juice. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And you should have, you know, your vitamin B12s and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, is, just because they're the natural things do? for the brain's protective, huh? What does cherry juice do? Um, it's it's a good regulator for the body. Mm -hmm. It keeps inflammation down. It keeps things more regulated. It's a, it's a calming, like turmeric and things like that. But we, you know, it helps for gout and other things. But it's just one of those things that we know in naturopathy that helps with this particular item of brain fog. Hmm. So in a general, and, and it's, it's non-toxic. It doesn't hurt anybody. There's not an allergy typically to that, you know, but that would be my, and water. Water is a, water is a wonderful thing. Water, sleep, exercise, right? The more water, the more water you drink and the more exercise that you do to sweat, sweat stuff out, the cleaner your body gets. The better your sleep gets. The and the your better mind, your sleep gets. The better your state of mind gets. Yeah. It's like exercise a, is like a. Yeah, wait, what's it? Uh-oh. What did he say? Lots, lots of grandchild hugs work, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's This is true. Love and connection and relationship. Yes. Those Gives all them work. some of that dopamine. and, and yeah. yeah. Well, anything that's going to regulate you. So, yeah. like, nature, grandchildren, pets, good eating. Like, all those things are good. So. He's got it all. I don't know about the good eating, but he's got the grandchildren and the pets, and so he's good. So, hopefully, that was helpful. And, um... And that was a wild bounce today from the marathon to the neat, to the exercise, to the brain fog, to running shoes. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you guys, um, you know, think of me on Monday. My shoot goes out at 11.15, 11.30. So, you know, I'll yeah. be meandering along the course, having a good old time down in Boston, hopefully not in the rain. But if it is, it will just put a smile on and put my game face on and still do it anyway. And um, I should... People should stay clear of you in mile six or minute six, the third rotation into walking. Because <laughs> I'd well, stay clear. Don't say, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Don't ask me, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I'm doing this on purpose. <laughs> we need to develop a ribbon color or something. I know. Yeah. I know. I'll have to put that out on social media. For all of us that are run walking, this let's all wear same color ribbon. Right? Just a thumbs up on your back. Or I something. know. I'm like, okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all good. People out in the running world are very loving and supportive. So it's all good. They just, they just care. I get it. Um, so you guys have a great week and um, thank you so much. You guys for wishing me luck and I will see you God willing <laughs> next week. All right. Bye.